you have your Bibles this morning, uh, you can open them up at Matthew 16, Matthew chapter number 16 and verse 5. We're going to have some fun this morning. Uh, we started a new series last week called The Blueprint, The Blueprint, all right? This was a series that we started uh, looking at the vision that God has for our lives. We looked at the fact that when God created us, when God uh, uh, created uh, the world, He had a plan. And He already knew in His omnipotence and, and, and in His omniscience, uh, He knew what would come. He knew the challenges that humanity would face. He knew the struggles that we would go through. And God had a plan to redeem every part of our lives. I want to tell you this morning that there is no part of your life that is unredeemable or irredeemable is probably the better word. There is no part of your life that God cannot redeem because he has the blueprint. The Bible tells us that when God created us, he knew our unformed substance and he wove us together intricately. He says to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you and I consecrated you. I set you apart already and I appointed you. You've been consecrated and you've been appointed before you were even born. God had a plan for your life. And there is, it's no accident that you're here this morning. It's no accident that you're living in Joburg. It's no accident that you are the person that you are. Sometimes we struggle to accept ourselves and, and, and who we are as people, but God made us the way that we are and gave us the, the, the thinking and the reasoning and, the, and, and everything that he put inside of us for a purpose. And if we, as we struggle to find ourselves through life and understand why we are the way that we are, when we get to God, when we really see Jesus, we realize that, he holds the blueprint. God has the original plan. And no matter what alterations we make, no matter what uh, changes we make to our lives and, and the way that we are influenced and shaped, God still has the original plan for your life. And that plan does not fall away. Nobody can disqualify it. Nobody can scratch it out. Nobody can cut a piece out of that plan. God has the original blueprint for what he wants to do through your life. Last week, we looked at the fact that our lives fit into a much larger blueprint, which is God's overall ultimate plan for redemption. We looked at Revelation 5, for those of you that weren't here last week, and saw how there was one who sat on the throne with a scroll that was rolled up, and nobody was found worthy to unroll uh, the scroll of redemption, this plan of God. There was nobody worthy. And how John begins to weep, and he's, he thinks to myself, himself, well, if, if nobody can open the scroll, then we're all lost. And one of the elders taps him on the shoulder and says, don't weep, John. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, and he's worthy to open the scroll. And then in the Gospels, we see Jesus in Luke 4 walking into a synagogue just after he's been baptized and just after he's begun his ministry. The first thing he does, he walks into a synagogue and he asks for a scroll. And they give him the scroll of Isaiah and he opens it up and he begins to read. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has empowered me to preach good news to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted, to bring recovery of sight to the blind and to see the captive set free to declare the favor of the Lord, the favorable year of the Lord, the jubilee, the debts canceled, the slaves have gone home. Jesus rolls it up, he sits down, the Bible says every eye is fixed on him and he goes, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I'm here to unravel the plan of redemption. And then we looked at how our blueprint, what God has for our lives, it's a part of that story. We all get our own verse, our own chapter, our own paragraph, in this generation, in that grand narrative of redemption. How incredible is the grace of God that he would use flawed, imperfect people like us, people who mess up every day, people who, who have many doubts, people who, who struggle to trust God just for the most basic of things, that he would use us and write our names down inside of his book and his plan. There's a blueprint for your life, and there's a blueprint for our lives, and there's a blueprint for Anchor Joburg, and, and, and we want to discover what that is. And our heart is, is that every one of you would walk in the fullness of that, that not one of us would miss out on what God has for us, but that we'd go back to the plan, the original plan, the reason why you were created, 
I love this scripture, and I've mentioned it so many times. I'll mention it one more time today, where, where, where Paul goes, I am pressing on. I forget everything that lies behind in my life. The mistakes I've made, uh, the people I've hurt, the, the, the relationships I've broken, I lay all of that stuff behind me. And I press on, he says. There's an intentionality there. I press on so that I can lay a hold of that for which Jesus laid a hold of me. I pray that as a church, we can lay a hold of that thing for which Jesus laid a hold of us. When Jesus laid a hold of your life, it wasn't just so that you could, he could high-five you later and be like, that was awesome. No, he laid a hold of you because the Bible says he had good works prepared for you beforehand for you to walk in. Some stuff that he's going to call you to do and use you to do. Some miracles that are going to happen through your life. Some, some people that you are going to touch and change because of the presence of Jesus within you. Hey man, I believe in this stuff. I believe in every person in this room today. I believe in the calling that God has on us as a church and as individuals. So our lives fall within the context of this grand story, this grand narrative, this grand scheme. And today I wanna to share a message called Audacious Faith. Because what happens when you realize that God has called you and that God is with you and that God is on your side and that God is working all things out and that God has a plan is that you start to develop something that is audacious in its faith. You're, you begin to understand that you're no longer just a, a lost person trying to make ends meet or trying to make it to the end of the month or trying to figure out what they're all about and trying to get through this challenge or that hurt or, or this thing, but you realize that you have been ordained, which means to be selected by God and empowered by His Holy Spirit. You see, we don't have to do it in our own strength. That's the good news this morning. God isn't looking for perfect people. He's not saying, please get your knowledge up to a level and your Bible study up to that level and your prayer life up to that level and then I can maybe use you. No, God will lead you into all of those things. All he wants to do right now is have you be available to him. God says, come to me. I'll show you what I can do through your life. I'll show you. And you'll know it's me because it's stuff you would never have thought yourself doing. You'll know it's me. You won't be able to deny it. And what it produces, when we know that it's not all up to us, but it's up to Jesus in us, and we know that God has a plan, so no matter what challenge we face, God has a plan. It produces audacious faith. As a child, I remember once visiting the Drakensberg with, with my family, and we went for a drive, one of those drives where you can go up one of the mountain passes and just see the mountains. And, and I just, I, I looked up at the top of those mountains, and I thought about walking on the very kind of the, the very precipice, the very tip of that mountain, just along the, the top of it. And I thought about how crazy dangerous that would be to walk on the top of that mountain right up there and, 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 and how if you slip at any moment, you could fall to your death. And in my mind, even as a child, I thought to myself, but God has a plan with my life. So even if I went up there and I walked up there right now, God will protect me. I won't die. Because I was fully convinced that there was something that God wanted to do with my life. And so he was going to preserve my life no matter what. Audacious faith. So I can walk into situations that other people wouldn't walk into because I believe that God is on my side. Do you believe that about your life this morning? You can walk into anything, any challenge, any trial, and know that God is at work. I was thinking about, we had an amazing team meeting on uh, Thursday night, and we prayed together as a team, and we asked God, God, what do you want us to do in 2016? Where are you taking us? What do you want to do with our lives? And since that time, I've just been thinking about, about sharing this morning and, and what I would be sharing. And, and, and as I was thinking about this, I realized that in the Bible, God constantly calls people. Just go and check this out. God is constantly calling people to do impossible things. Like God never shows up and he's like, hey, can you go buy me some milk and bread? Like, or, or hey, can you just go and shake someone's hand? That'll be great, you know. He's always saying, will you please go and, and take a nation or will you go and influence a city or will you go and, and, and do something incredible? Hey, Peter, will you come and just walk on the water quickly? I just want to just walk with me. You know, come, Peter, come walk on water. He just, he's always asking people to trust him in a grand way. God calls us to audacious faith, big faith, big hearted faith. 
impossible things. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, it's literally filled with accounts of God calling people to believe. He simply says, believe it, believe it, believe it. And the whole Bible is filled with everybody going, mm, I wish I could. Mm, okay, I'm going to try. Mm, okay, I'm doubting. I'm, I'm struggling here, God. Help me, God. As much as God has called us to great faith throughout the Bible, there are people who have doubted from beginning to end. The Bible is not about a book of heroes. The Bible is about a book of one, about one hero called Jesus. And how he helps us, like the man who, who, who Jesus told him to have faith, and he said, God, help my unbelief. I struggle with this. Help me. Maybe you find yourself in that position. Like, I want to believe this, but we see it right in the beginning from, from Genesis where uh, God calls Abraham and Sarah, and, and he tells them, he gives them a promise. He tells them that they, they will have a child. And they hold on to this promise for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Nothing happens. Eventually, Sarah is 90 years old. Now, we've all held out for promises and things that we wanted God to do, but come on. When you're 19, you're like, by the time you're 90, you're like, okay, it's not happening, guys. Let's be honest here. Let's be realistic. This is not happening, especially when what you're asking of God is to have a baby, and you're 19, your husband is 99. 99. You're like, it's not happening. It's over. I've let that one go. And this is the position that Abraham and Sarah are in. And one day, some angels show up at their tent. And it says the angel of the Lord appeared there and, and sat down and, and Abraham runs out and he gets some stuff to eat and drink and he serves them and they sit down and, and, and Abraham sits down and they say to him, where's your wife? Where's your wife, Sarah? She, she's so disappointed by the failure. She's so disappointed by the fact that the promise of God hasn't come to pass in her life that she doesn't even come out to meet these angels. She's just like in the tent. Hey, I don't want to talk to them. God promised me some stuff. He hasn't done it. I'm done with that. I don't want to, I don't want to listen to God. Anymore. I don't want to see angels. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to worship. I don't want to lift my hands. I'm done with this, right? And you can understand. She's been holding on for 20 years for that promise. And the angel sits there, says, says to Abraham, where's your wife? He's like, I think she's in the tent there. And the angel says to Abraham, tell your wife that we will return this time next year and she will have a baby. And the Bible says that Sarah was actually listening in on the conversation and she laughed within herself. She laughs. She's like, she actually says to herself, I'm 90. Come on, guys. I know you're angels and you appeared out of nowhere, but I'm 90, you know. I'm 90 years old and my husband is 99. How will we ever have a child? And this angel says to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? He, he knows the, the thoughts and the feelings of her heart. God sees your doubts and your, and your struggles and your, and your apprehension. And, he's, and, and he says, why does Sarah laugh within herself? Why does she doubt? And then the angel says this. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too difficult for God? Jeremiah says this later on, Jeremiah 32, he goes, he, we've spoken a little bit about Jeremiah in the past few weeks, but Jeremiah goes, uh, God, you fashioned the earth. You spoke the universe into being. You created all things. Is anything too hard for you? What is it that you're asking God for and trusting God for that seems so impossible? Is it more impossible than God speaking the universe into being? Because he did that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Audacious faith. Can we start to trust Him in our lives like never before? And God has to do this in every generation. In every generation, He has to do this because in every generation, we're a bunch of faithless people. At the time when Jesus was ministering, He's there in the flesh and the people just cannot believe. And He says, this is a faithless and a perverse generation. You won't believe. You've turned to your own intellect and to your own ways of understanding the world and you, you, you fail to believe. I want to look at one account this morning in, in Matthew 16. It's where I asked you to open up your Bibles in the beginning. Matthew 16 and verse 5. And I'm just going to read this a little bit because I just love the disciples. I just love how the disciples sometimes just mess up and they just feel the pressure uh, being around Jesus and, and kind of want to do everything right. You know, it's kind of working at a new job for the first time and you're just like, you want to do everything right. I remember starting a new job once and I saw, kept seeing people go around the corner. Uh, William was actually there and I was like, I wonder what's around that corner. 
and they would come out with like coffee cups and stuff. I was like, I'm sure there's a coffee station back there. But I was like, I didn't want to get up and go and look like, oh, it's coffee. You know, I don't know why. You just like, you feel so, you just feel so exposed and you stop running and you just want to do everything right and you, you end up making a lot of mistakes, etc. And, 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 and this happened to the disciples. Matthew 16 and verse five, it says, when the disciples reached the other side, the other side of, 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 of the ocean or of the sea, they had forgotten to bring any bread. So they, they forgot something that was obviously a job that they had to do. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves saying, we brought no bread. We brought no bread. Now this is basically, it's like if any of you have ever arrived at work, um, and this has happened to me a couple of times, especially if you live far away from work and you get in the car and you're in a rush and you're rushing through traffic and you get to work and you realize, I left my laptop at home. Has that ever happened to anybody? but you are so far and you don't want to go back home. So the whole day you have to find things that make you look like you're working and you hope that no one notices you have no technology around you, right? Like there's a void on your desk where your laptop used to be and you're hoping that when your boss walks in, he doesn't go, hey, so how are you doing your job today? I don't see any computer here, you know? And, and, and you kind of, I've done that. And then I'm like repacking drawers and I'm making myself look very busy, like repacking my shelves. And it's like, yeah, yeah just, uh, just getting, just sorting things out and filing stuff. And it's like, meanwhile, it, I hate filing. It's just because I don't have a laptop there that day, right? And so you kind of, and you feel embarrassed. You're like, I hope nobody knows that I forgot this vital piece of equipment. It's like a fisherman forgetting his fishing pole when he went fishing, right? It's like you, you can't do your work without it. And and these disciples had a job, and that job was to bring bread. And they realized, Oaks, we forgot the bread. We're on the other, we've just come across the sea. We had to take a ship. Jesus is going to murder us. We have no bread. And they're like, okay, nobody say anything. Don't, don't even bring up bread. Nobody say you're hungry. I can just imagine these guys having a conversation. Nobody even rub their tummies. Come on, let's just pretend. Let's just hope it's a busy day and Jesus forgets the fact that we haven't eaten, uh, you know, and, and we can hopefully get through this. We'll get some bread later. And the first thing Jesus says is, watch out and beware of the leaven, which is obviously a form of, of, of yeast and bread, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're like, he knows. He knows. The first thing, he is the son of God. He knows we forgot the bread. And they feel like they're so found out. So they, they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. We're in trouble, guys. We should have brought the bread. But Jesus says, do you not yet... Sorry, he says, it says, uh, but Jesus, aware of this. So he realizes these guys are feeling a little bit insecure because of the fact that they forgot the bread. He says, um, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember? Don't you remember? God will say that to us so many times. Don't you remember? Don't you remember what I've already done? Haven't you seen my faithfulness time and time and time and time and time again? Haven't I showed you already in your life how faithful I am, how, how true I am, how I will look after you, how I will take care of you, how I will, I will love you no matter what? Haven't I showed this to you again and again and again and again and again? Do you not remember the five loaves and for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? That time when Jesus said, hey, there's 5,000 men excluding women and children here. So who has some bread? They were like, he has five loaves. He's like, that's all we need. They feed 5,000 men and, and, and all the children and, and everybody is full. They've eaten their full and they still collect baskets and baskets of bread. Don't you remember that time when I fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves? Don't you remember the miracles I've done? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? I love the fact that the less bread there is, the more people Jesus feeds. How is it that you fail? I love that. How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which is a sermon that we will do uh, on another day, uh, specifically about that teaching. But, but the point here is, is that we are so often, we struggle to just have faith. And believe that the things that God has already shown us to be true in our lives, that he'll do it again. 
If you've ever had a facepalm moment, you know a facepalm moment where you're like, you watch somebody do something, maybe you're watching the rugby or, you know, you're watching one of your kids or, or, or you're watching yourself and you're just like, I cannot believe that just happened. I cannot. Be-. And, and this is kind of, Jesus is having a facepalm moment here with the disciples. He has been walking with them. They have seen him do miracles. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him pray for the sick. They've seen the blind uh, be healed and receive their sight. They've seen the deaf begin to hear. They've seen people who were rebels and wanted to, to do everything to destroy the work of God, become uh, saved and, and know Jesus. And, and love him and walk with him. They've, they've seen Jesus do miraculous things. Peter's walked on water and there's, there's this, these incredible things that have happened and, and, and now they think Jesus is worried about bread. And he's like, face palm, like, guys, I'm not talking about bread. Haven't you seen what I've done in the past? Didn't you see when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves and the, and, and the 4,000 with the seven loaves? That's not an issue. Don't limit what I can do. He says to them, oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus says this a couple times to the disciples when they think they're going to die. When there's a ship and there's a big storm and, and they're like worried that they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up and he goes, you of little faith. Do you, think that I, do you think I'd just let you die? When he speaks about money in Matthew 6 and he talks about provision, he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't work, they don't toil, but God feeds them. Look at the, the flowers of the field. They, don't, they, you know, they just stand there and yet God adorns them in, in beauty that's greater than what Solomon or any rich person ever had. Uh, and, and, and he says this, he says, don't worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink. Don't worry about those things. Say, oh, you have little faith. God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. Haven't I shown you this before? My faithfulness, my faithfulness, my faithfulness, my faithfulness. God will provide. When God calls us to certain things, whatever He calls us to, He provides what we need. But as people, we tend to be fairly stubborn and really quick to forget the faithfulness of God. No matter how many times God comes through for us, it's like whenever we need something new or something more, we doubt whether God can do it. Like instantly, it doesn't matter how many, God could have come through a million times and instantly we doubt. We see this with Israel coming out of Egypt, the craziest story. God calls Moses, Moses, the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt. God calls Moses, speaks to him through a burning bush, sends him to Pharaoh, shows the nation of Egypt who God is, shows him their miracles and the plagues and, and shows them that God is with Israel and he will not have his people oppressed. He, he, uh, uh, he shows all of this and then leads Israel out by splitting the Red Sea in two and having the people cross a, uh, go across on dry ground. And then they're across and they have nothing to drink and all the water's bitter. And, and God turns the bitter waters into sweet waters and, and then they have nothing to eat. So God makes it rain bread, literally manna from heaven falls on the ground and they get to eat they are literally being fed by the heavens then they have they don't know where to go so God leads them with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud in the day and uh, and then they need water again so God tells Moses to to strike a rock and, and all of a sudden water comes out and they have these miraculous things happen how many times now have they seen some of the greatest miracles that are recorded in scripture and then we get to Exodus 32 they come to Mount Sinai and Moses goes up to meet with God. This is where he received the law. And in Exodus 32, it says this. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, when he delayed. This is normally when our challenge of faith is, is when we feel like there's a delay from God. Some of you may be feeling right now that there is a delay from God, that God is not coming through for you the way that you want him to because you, you don't see his plan. You don't see his blueprint. So you're wondering, when is this going to happen? So there's a delay, and when they saw there was a delay for him to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron, Moses' brother, and said to him, uh, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold uh, from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. So that he creates his own idol for the people. And they said, now listen to this, this is the craziest statement ever. After everything God just 
did. You heard his voice. You're standing in the shadow of the mountain that is burning with fire because of his presence. And they said this. They said, these are, he says, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. All of a sudden, listen to this, the thing they just made with their own hands gets the credit. If you have to make it, it's not worthy of being worshipped. If you can create it, you cannot call it your creator. The reason why we worship God is because he created us. We did not create him. He is the God who set everything into motion. We are not the one who set him into motion. And so that's why we worship him. But what we do when God delays, we struggle to trust him. We struggle to have faith. And what do we do? We start to fashion little things with our own hands, make our own little plans. Well, God hasn't come through for me, so I've got to do my own thing. I've got to find my own way. I've got to, I've got to just make it on my own now. I guess God has forgotten about me. He's taking way too long. That Moses guy, we don't know what's happened to him. Let's just make our own. And then we as people, we still do this today. We can judge Israel right now, but we still do this today. We worship the things that we create with our own hands. We worship our own abilities, our own skills, our own intellect, our own uh, career that we've forged or our own achievements that we've made. We begin to worship those things and we say, these are the things that will save me. When God seems to be delaying. We still do the same today. We struggle to trust God. We begin to doubt His goodness. We have stubborn hearts as people, and Jesus encountered this time and again. And no matter how he came through, they still struggled to believe. So here we are as a church, 2015. We feel like we know a lot about God. We feel like we know a lot about life. We feel like we have a lot of information available to us. But it still comes down to the heart, doesn't it? It still comes down to do you really believe? It still comes down to here we are as a group, and God says, will you step out? And we're going, oh, can we do that? Oh, can we, can, can I do that? Can I be a part of this? Can I serve? Can I love? Can I reach a city? Can we influence a city? Can we touch a nation? Can we, can we establish a presence for God in the city of Johannesburg that will be here for 50, 100, 150, 200 years? Who knows how long will conti- God will continue this work? We're pioneering it right now, but who knows what God will do in the future? We, we think about those kinds of things. Imagine that in, in, in 200 years from now, there's still an, an anchor church, Joburg. And we go, oh. Okay, that sounds crazy. Do we have the audacious faith that God constantly called people in the Bible to have? Can we trust Him boldly? Can we give God the opportunity to show Himself faithful on our behalf? When my wife and I uh, lost our first baby, we were absolutely distraught back in 2009. We sat in a coffee shop. And I just, had, I just felt God's spirit come on me and, and, and faith rise up in my heart. And I said to my wife, this is our journey. This is our opportunity to go on, what I said to her, an adventure of faith. If everything was just easy and everything just came to us, we wouldn't appreciate what we had. We wouldn't develop as people. We wouldn't grow. We wouldn't have the faith that we have today. We would have very basic, very simple faith because everything would be, be easy. But when you have to work through stuff, you have to work through hurt, you have to hurt, work through pain, you have to work hard to see uh, things happen, and you have to trust God. That's sometimes the hardest work is just simply to believe. We, we can work and we can do stuff, but sometimes the hardest thing is for us to believe. And I said to her, watch, this is God's opportunity to show himself faithful. He wants every generation to know how faithful he is. He wants you to know it today. And so he's going to take you through the ups and the downs, and through all of that, he's going to show himself faithful. If you go onto my Instagram account, my, my caption is kind of like a little bit of a life motto for me. It's life is an adventure in grace. Because every day, you don't know what's coming, but every day, no matter what comes, God shows himself faithful. God shows how gracious he is.
God wants to show every generation. In the Bible, he, he calls Noah to build an ark, even though it had never rained on the earth before. He, he calls Moses to split the, the Red Sea. He calls Joshua to walk into the promised land. He calls David, uh, 12-year-old, 14-year-old David, to, sly, to slay the, the giant uh, Goliath, who, who has been tormenting the, the army of Israel for two weeks. He, he calls Peter to walk on water. He's always called people to do audacious things. And then God, Jesus, comes to the church and he says to the church, to do, he calls the church to do this audacious thing. He says, will you go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize those who believe, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. In the book of Mark, at the end of Mark, it says, and, and I'm with you. And when you lay your hands on the sick, they'll recover. And if you drink anything poisonous, if anything comes against you, any attack, you will not be harmed. Some audacious things that God calls us. He says, go. Go do what I've called you to do. And as a church, that's where we're at. We're saying we want to go. We want to do. We want to have audacious faith because we believe God has the blueprint and he knows where he's taking us. So God is calling us to do some audacious things. Start reaching out, start taking ground, start doing the things that God has called us to do. We might look at it and say, how God, and all we need to do is remember what he has already done. I challenge you to do this. If you're facing a trial in your life and you're thinking about how can God do this for me, it just feels impossible. I challenge you, take a notepad and a pen and start writing down what he has already done. The times when you thought there's no way this is going to work out, and it works out. And when you read that, it'll, it'll fill your heart with faith to show that God has been faithful, and He'll ever be faithful in your life. We look at this as a church team. We looked at this on, on Thursday night when we gathered together. Uh, we looked at how God brought a little team together from all over. Our very first meeting back in November uh, 2014, when we decided to plant this church, was, was about 16 people sitting in my living room. We had a braai. There was a massive storm. We had to pull the braai in under the covers, and there was smoke everywhere. And, and, uh, and we, we had this little bit. We sat down, and we just said, we have no idea how this is going to happen. We have no money. We have nothing to, to We have no building. We have no venue. Uh, we, have no, we have nothing. We just have a dream. We just have a heart for something. The next time uh, we met was, was, was later on uh, in that. No, actually, we didn't meet again for the whole of December. I was just sending out communication via email, whatever. Uh, next, early the next year, January, we had a meeting. At that meeting, we had 45 people. Pretty much every single person that was at that meeting, those 45, are still here today. We sat together and again, we prayed together and we believed that God could do something. We had a vision of who we wanted to be and what we wanted to do in the city. But still, we had no money and we had nothing to go on and we, had, we, had, we didn't know how it was going to happen. We had no venue. We went to 47 different venues in Santon and, and all over Joburg and everybody said no. And the two people that said yes were charging amounts that we could never afford. Like over, over 150,000 rand a month to use a Sunday morning uh, in their venue. And we just need, where are we going to go, God? Where are we going to go? We just carried on. I put dates down. We put dates down on card and printed them out and handed them out to people and said, this is when we're starting. And we had no venue. <laughs> we started meeting in this room uh, with a team. There was a big whiskey bar in here. And, and we started meeting in this room just kind of having team discussions because we were getting too large for, for our homes and, you know, 50 people or so. And we wanted to get into a, a space where we could have a little bit more uh, a room to, 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 to move around and, and, and to, to have our meetings. And so we, we sat in this room and we said, we, where are we going to find a venue? And after looking and looking and looking and looking and just having no after no, William met me in a hundred different places all over Santon, uh, trying, to, trying to convince people to let us in. Nobody let us in. And eventually I came to this place and I said to them, if we started having Sunday morning services here, would you take this bar out for us? And they said, yes, no problem. They polished the floors for us. The TVs were already up here. They, 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 they allowed us to use this space. And the people who own this place are not even Christians. Because God is faithful. 
And this is not the space that we'll have forever. We, we believe that God's got new spaces and places for us to, to move into and to take over. But, but we've been here now for six months and they refuse to charge us any rent. They refuse to charge us. God just making a way. He says to us, I'll make, I'll make rivers in the desert. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll make these things happen. Our team has been growing. We've, we, we ran a, a Bible course uh, looking at the Apostles' Creed called This I Believe. Three Wednesday nights in a row here in this room. And we thought nobody, we were like, who's going to come out on a Wednesday, especially for three weeks? All three nights, we had 50 people show up and go through that course. And it was an incredible time, an incredible experience. We're going to do one again early next year. Plus next year, we're doing another a Bible course called How to Read Your Bible, which is a great one for, for people that want to know how to, how to get into the Word. God's just been faithful. We had one church phone us and say, hey, we're, we've decided as an eldership, we're going to give you 150,000 rand. We had another church who I had met the pastor of that church once, just once. And I got a WhatsApp from one of his team guys going, hey, we prayed together and as an eldership, we felt that we wanted to give you 90,000 rand. God helped us and that's how we bought the equipment that we have here today and the chairs that you're sitting on and the, and the trailer that we have to move everything around. Uh, you know, we, we have to pack this all up and pack it in a trailer. God has just carried on being faithful. And let me tell you, we haven't even begun yet. We're six months old. We haven't even scratched the surface of what God will do through this group of people. And he'll use us to do it. He's been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful. We had over 160 people show up at our very first service. 160 people packed this place out. Since then, we've just seen a consistent number of people come through, commit, adults, kids have been growing. We've, we've just inc been incredibly... Uh, overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God. And now we believe that God is taking us forward. It's so good to just come back to the blueprint again. Okay, God, why are we here? In these past few weeks, God has given me a couple of opportunities to do that. To, to remind even me why we started Anchor Joburg, why we, why we even picked the name Anchor. In this week, I was looking at a specific venue that uh, somebody is also willing to give us for free, and I was looking at whether, whether it would work. It's a bit of a bigger space, and and the lady who owns this uh, space, we started to, so I said to her, what church do you go to? Because she's so willing to help us out. She believes in Jesus. And I said to her, so what church do you go to? And she goes, oh, actually doesn't go to church. I said, okay, so how did you find out about us? She says, oh, no, she, um, one morning she woke up and she felt like God, she, she was raised Catholic and she still sometimes goes to Catholic mass. And she says that she, she woke up one morning and she felt God saying to her, go to church. And she was like, no, I, I feel, I'm strange. I like just the ritual of the normal kind of mass ritual. And it's, I can check out and I can just be anonymous and I don't have to, and it's not so scary and there's no loud music. And she's like, I'm, I'm not going to go to church. So guess where she came to? She came to Design Quarter. She came to come do shopping at Design Quarter. She came here at 8 a.m. in the morning, forgetting that the shops don't open until at least 9 and so she sat down there at Vida E listening to our band and she then started to hear this worship music and she didn't know where it was coming from and she was like, seriously God, now it's getting scary. <laughs> I told you I didn't want to go to church today and now you're bringing church to me. I'm sitting in a mall and I'm hearing worship music. And she looked up here and she realized it was coming from here. So she still didn't want to come upstairs. So she went and she sat downstairs having a coffee and she said while we were worshiping, she was worshiping with us. While we were worshiping, she was worshiping with us. And she says, so she really wants to come, but she still feels, she doesn't know if she'll fit in. She doesn't know if she's worthy. She doesn't know if she's good enough. She doesn't know if, she'll, if she knows the right things to do. She knows nothing about church. And I started to say, hey, that's why we called our church Anchor. That's why we said that in here, we're all on a journey. And what Jesus has done is that he has removed our unrighteousness and he has put us in the presence of God. That's our home. He has anchored us in the presence of God. And that's the hope that we have. This hope is the anchor for our souls because we know no matter what happens, we are anchored in Christ in the presence of God. And I started to share with her how she uh, doesn't have to earn her goodness. She doesn't have to. I said to her, sometimes people feel like I have to be good with God by doing things. And then if I don't do things, then I feel bad. And now I'm close to God. And then I'm far from God. I said, people go through that struggle and they struggle to relate to God. I was like, Jesus has finished the work. I, that's, that's what the gospel says. And I just started to share the gospel. And uh, I could see on her face, she was, she was touched. 
And she said this to me. She said, you know what? Maybe, maybe the reason I don't want to go is because I know that when I go, there are some things in my life that I might have to get rid of. And I said to her, don't even worry about that right now. Jesus shows up and it's his presence that changes us. Don't come in here going, oh, I first need to sort out my addiction or I first need to stop smoking or I first need to stop drinking or I first need to, to stop doing that, that other stuff that I'm doing. Don't come in here saying, I need to fix myself before I can come in here because you cannot do it. Come in here and go, I am who I am. I am what I am. And Jesus, I give it to you. And now I have audacious faith that you're going to do the work in me, that you're going to change me. And I was so reminded that's what we're about. Philipp, I told her this scripture. I said to her, Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you. Everybody say me. me. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, God doesn't only give you the will to, he doesn't only tell you to work, he gives you the will to do what he's called you to do. All we need to do is come into the presence of God. So in this week, we got into some of the specifics we got into what are the things that we want to do. I said to the guys, it's great having a vision, standing in front of a mountain saying, we want to climb this mountain. We want to do this as a church. But then there's a time where you have to take out your climbing picks. I love those things, they, you know, those ice pick things. And, and you actually got to start hammering them into the ice or hammering them into the, into the rock and start climbing. And those are the specifics that we started looking at. What do we want to do as a church next year? What, what do we want to achieve? Where do we want to go? And, and we've been praying about these things. Stephen Furtick says, are you dreaming of what you should be developing? So we're not only dreaming, we're also developing. You know, it's like when you look at somebody that's really skinny or as a guy, you look at somebody that's really fit and you're like, man, I want to be like that. And then you go back and sit on your couch and have some chips. You know, it's like you can dream, you can dream. It's great. But at some point, you've got to start developing. You've got to start getting into the gym and eating right and and, and doing what you need to do in order to get there. So we're developing. We're, we we, we want to have faith that God is going to meet us as we develop and as we plan and as we go forward. We believe that God is calling us to miraculous things. The final scripture I want to share with you this morning, because I shared it with the team on, on Thursday night. Habakkuk 2 verse 2. And whenever there comes a pastor who's talking about vision, he'll probably mention the scripture, but, but I want to mention it today. Habakkuk 2 verse 2, Habakkuk is, is complaining against God because they're being overtaken by the Babylonians, by the Chaldeans, and, and Israel is being destroyed, and he's complaining. And God, it says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, like actually physically write it down, not just, don't just have it in your mind or in your head, but write it down on tablets so he may run who reads it. Whoever reads it can run with it. What I love about that is, is that Habakkuk's coming in the time of one of the greatest crises that, that, uh, that Israel has ever faced. And in the challenge, God says, write the vision down. In the hardship, God says, write the vision down. Go back to the blueprint. I've got a plan. You see, when we face hardship, when we go through the difficult stages of, of growing this church, of our own life, of our own faith, God says, but what's the vision? What's the vision? Go back to it. Write it down and make it plain, simple, on tablets. Write it down so that people can see it, so that others, see, see here's, the, here's the point. God doesn't want our vision just to be uh, uh, limited by the people who hear it this morning and by those of us that are a part of this vision right now and even your own personal life. God doesn't want you just to have a personal little vision. He wants your vision to affect the vision of others. He wants what you see to become what the people around you see. He wants to create momentum through this vision so that others who see it can begin to run with it. They read it, they're inspired, they're filled with faith and they begin to run. And as a church, when we have faith that God is gonna do miraculous things, when we come in here on a Sunday and we worship uh, knowing that God is real, like David says, I continually see the Lord before me. We worship God passionately and we love God passionately and we, we get involved in each other's lives and we disciple one another and we sit down for coffee and we, we pray for each other, we love each other, we support each other. We do what God has called us to do as the church. Other people will look at it and go, I want to run with them. It's funny, when I read the scripture, the scene in, in Forrest Gump came up to me. I might, do I have a photo there? Forrest Gump, what a movie. Forrest Gump begins to run. He just feels like running one day. 
You know, he's already like the ping pong world champion and he's already a multimillionaire and, and uh, he's already done so many things and, and, and he's a war hero. And, and then he be, just begins one day to run. And he runs and he decides he'll run until he hits an ocean and he hits an ocean. He stops and he turns around and he starts running in another direction and you know, he's just running. And as he's running, as you can see, like reporters start reporting, who is this guy? He's just running. Why is he running? He's like, I just felt like running. And, and, and people start gathering around him. And it's such a great scene where he's like out in like the desert in Nevada somewhere and, he, and he's running and he stops and he goes, I'm tired of running. Uh, I'm going to go home now. And everybody's like, but we're in the desert and we, we all ran with you. and We're all here. But the point is, is that when we begin to run, with the vision that God has put in our hearts, and we don't stop running, we keep doing what God has called us to do, people just start joining. There's just a momentum. It's like, we want to run. If you're running, we want to run with you. And so as a church, let's start running. Let's start having audacious faith. Let's start believing God for what He wants to do. Let's start uh, moving into everything. We want to pioneer together. We're pioneering a work of God here. And and we said that next year, one of our goals is we want to baptize at least 50 people next year. At least 50 people. Let's make it 100. Come on, let's reach people in the city. Let's start inviting our friends. Let's start inviting the people. Let's start giving together. Let's start doing everything that we can to reach the city. 50 people we want to baptize minimum next year. We want to see our church grow. We want to see people discipled. We've added two new courses that we're going to be doing, how to read your Bible and, and a leadership development course. And we'll be doing this, I believe, again, which helps you to just understand the scope of the gospel. We want to see leaders raised up. We want to see more and more people step into leadership roles and beginning to run with the vision. And so today, to end off with, what can you do? What can you do to be a part of this vision? What can you do to, to find your, your place within what God has called you? If you feel like God has called you to be a part of Anchor Church, it's not just so that you have somewhere to go on a Sunday. It's because He has a role for you to play. He has something that He wants you to do. And there's many different things, many different areas that you can get involved. But right now, I want to just mention three things that you can do. Number one is pray with audacious faith. Pray for us. This is not going to happen unless we pray and believe God, because that's what prayer is. It's declaring that we cannot do this without God, and so we need to ask Him if we're going to do it. We need to ask Him, and, and, and the Bible says that God actually gives us the prayer that we, we ask, and He says this in the book of John. He, you know, whatever we ask according to His will will surely be done for us. So we have this confidence towards God that when we ask, He answers if it's according to His will. So how do we know His will? He reveals it to us, we pray it, and He does it. So let's pray. Let's pray that this venue becomes too small before December. And we need, to, we need to go to two services or do something and, and, and find more, more space and take more ground. You can pray. Pray for us. Set, uh, what we did a while back, we did a campaign where we set our alarms to 12 o'clock in the day so that we would pray for one minute at 12 p.m. every day. And if you can do that, pray for one minute. Just pray for Anchor. Pray for our city. Pray for our church. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for yourself. Number two, you can show up. Showing up. Uh, on a Sunday, showing up uh, to serve in, a, in an area, showing up at a connect group. You know, what, what, when people see people running and excited about running, they begin to run with. And if we can, can just show up and make it a priority, because we're not just a church that wants to kind of attend loosely. We, we're people who want to pioneer something. Does that make sense to you this morning? So when we come together and we show up on Sundays, we're excited about being here because we know that being here inspires others to be here. And inspires them to put faith in Jesus. And we start inviting people along. Your whole uh, thinking about church will change once you start inviting people. You'll notice, you'll listen to my sermon a lot more carefully. Because you'll be like, please don't say anything stupid. Please don't say anything stupid. Please. Some of you may even be thinking like that. I brought a friend. Please don't let him make a stupid joke. Right? You'll th it'll change the way you think. Invite people to come along. Show up. Be here on Sunday. Be at the Connect Group. Get involved. Lean into us. We'll lean into you. And the third, so, so show up with audacious faith. And number three, give with audacious faith. We're in a position now where all of the money that we've been given has mostly been spent on everything that we've done and on running this church for the past six months. Actually, we've been running since January, but we've had six and a half months now that we've been running services on Sundays. We had a launch. We had pre-launch meetings. And then we've had our, we opened on Easter, uh, public gathering, first public gathering. 
but we're at a place where, where our finances, uh, we need to start doing this together. And you know, we've kept, our, uh, we've kept what we spend as a church very low. We don't pay for venue. We haven't bought new equipment in a while. We've, we've done a lot of different kind of things to, to make sure that we're being absolutely as responsible as we can with the money that, 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 that God has given us and provided to us. And altogether on our database, we're roughly 100 people uh, that are part of this church right now. And if everybody commits, and this is what I want to encourage you to do, is commit to, uh, that's my son crying out for his mom. And that's his mom going to get him. Um, but if everybody commits, if we all just said, hey, I can commit to giving a thousand rand a month, just consistently a thousand rand a month, we'll have enough money to continue running month by month by month and we'll be self-sufficient. And so I want to, we don't force anybody to give, but this is an opportunity for you to become a part of what God is doing. And God uses every part of our lives to do that. It's, a, it's again, do you trust me? Sometimes the reason why we don't give is because we don't really trust that God will provide for us. I would like to give, but geez, I've got so many bills. Jesus says, don't worry what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna wear. Look at the birds. I feed them. Don't you think you are not worth more than they? I'll feed you. So let's give with audacious faith. And, if, and, and as a church, and especially for the team guys, we've already committed. We're saying we're going to commit that we're going to give. We're going to give generously. And we're going to give regularly so that as a church we can do this. We're not about money at Anchor Church. If, if anybody wants to have a further discussion with me on that, I'm, I have absolutely no shame or worry or, or hidden agendas. We, have, we are not about money. We've always said that money and buildings and whatever God wants to give us, these are the exhaust fumes of vision. What we're about is reaching people, and unfortunately it costs money to do that. I wish it didn't, but it does. But you know what? Jesus spoke about money often. Why? Because it holds your heart. And he wants you to trust him with audacious faith. So even those things, he goes, can you let go? Can you let go? Can you trust me? Can you trust me? Can you have audacious faith? So those are three things that you can do right now is to pray with audacious faith, to show up with audacious faith, and to give with audacious faith. And I believe that God is going to do miraculous things like we've seen him do right throughout the Bible. And, uh, and we're going to be able to say one day, we were a part of that. We were a part of seeing that happen. We planted that work. And our kids one day will be a part of this. And, and they'll say, our parents did that. Amen. And they're going to be inspired to do the same. So, uh, so let's pray together this morning and just thank Jesus for, uh, for what he is doing.